A president is not immune from the law solely because he's president. At least that's what the D.C. Circuit Court said, and that should make us feel like maybe not everything is upside down. Trump not taking it well. Republicans really want something done about the border unless, of course, it involves working with the current president of these United States. If you can't even impeach a cabinet secretary most Americans have never heard of, what fun is it to be speaker anyway, right? Good news for Biden and for any Americans who use money. With every passing day, evidence mounts that the economy doesn't suck. Welcome back to the podcast for the 54% of Americans who vote for progress in every election and want to convince their conservative friends and family members to join our majority. This is Majority 54. So for the purposes of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump with all the defenses of any other criminal defendant but any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution. So were the words of a three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit, two Democrats, one Republican, or appointees, Democratic appointees, one Republican appointee. Um, This was a pretty tight shutdown of Trump's immunity claims. Uh, Trump now has uh, a short window to appeal this to the Supreme Court. Undoubtedly, he will. Uh, but this was a, a huge victory um, for sanity, and also a at least a a measure of uh, good news for Jack Smith's team in their attempt to try to get this trial underway and wrapped up before the heat of the election season. Uh, this was this was just unabashed good news. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they did it as fast as they did it. It's one of those things that's like. A reminder that some some stuff still works. Like yeah. there are there are still some institutions that behave not like to our liking or in a way we agree with, but how they were meant to behave. Like I I just don't think there's any reading of American law, American tradition, where you're like the president can do whatever he or she wants. Now, with that said, let's examine the clearly learned legal argument of the former president of the United States <laughs> as he truthed out. Uh, so let's see, can we, can we pop this on the screen? Salty, do we have this? Uh, I, he's grabbing it. I'm pulling it up on my phone real quick while he's grabbing it. But it was basically a, an argument about extortion. I can read it for you. He said, you got uh, it? Okay. president of the United States must have full immunity in order to properly function and do what has to be done for the good of the country. A nation destroying ruling like this cannot stand. Yeah. Okay. So, but then he goes into this idea that you that you could extort the president if the president is okay. Here we go. Uh, if a president doesn't does not have immunity, the opposing party de- during his or her term in office can extort and blackmail the president by saying that if you don't give us everything we want, we will indict you for things you did while in office, even if everything done was totally legal and appropriate. That would be the end of the presidency and our country as we know it. And it's just one of the many traps there would be for a president without presidential immunity. Obama, Bush, and soon crooked Joe Biden would all be in prison. Protect presidential immunity, make America great again. All right. Now, obviously, he makes some great points. No, he makes no great points because the this whole absurd argument is easily defeated with the idea of like, but we've had 45 presidents other than you. Right. <laughs> and this didn't seem to be an issue. <laughs> like nobody was saying you must grant me immunity. And if you don't, 
You're extorting me by threatening to. In fact, but the thing is, you're out of power. His argument doesn't even stand on its own merits. We've we've literally only had one president who came into power. Or who, who said that if they come into power, they would indict people. Like, it's him. He's literally the only one who, who like, it's incredible. Um, well, yeah, and he's, he's saying, under his, I don't know, I, I hesitate to even treat it seriously, but he's saying the party when in power, the next party, like, so Joe Biden in this case, can extort Trump. And he basically, he's saying, we can force Trump to pass laws, but Trump's not in office anymore. I don't even understand. Never mind. There's just random things capitalized. I just Man, want to point yeah, that that's out. That's his thing. I just can't. I, can't, I still can't let that go. I know that. It, <laughs> He's doing it to to bait us, of course. The I know. If we're going to pick apart Joe Biden's, you know, public presentation, we at least need that's to true. just continue to go through the motions here with Trump. Now, I actually think, from a legal perspective, this was an interesting opinion because they could have sidestepped. The question in a in a major way, um, and probably increase the likelihood that the Supreme Court would avoid it altogether if they would have just said he wasn't acting in his official capacity. And actually, that's what I thought they were going to do, but they didn't do that. They said he what they they implied that he was acting in his official capacity and said that immunity for official acts is not absolute. I'm surprised they didn't just say, "Yeah, this was electioneering." And it wasn't well, official. But I think your point is you're saying they could have sidestepped a meteor legal conclusion by yeah. just almost like punting, right? Yeah. Is what you're saying. Well, by it's not even like, punting. Like they still would have shut down Trump's claim. Yeah. They, uh, they would have yeah. affected this case, but not, but not like it seems the way they did it, they've left no room for the Supreme Court really to overturn their decision. Well, the Supreme Court could disagree. Like the Supreme they Court, they could disagree, say, but they can't. They, they have to fully reverse. Yes, the, the, they would have the to reverse binding. the DC Circuit. They can't yeah. be like, okay, you decided it on this ground, but you didn't consider this, and that's how we'll do it. Right. They were like, no, we're going to go straight at this, and we're going to we're 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 going to shut it down from all possible angles, because um because the other the inverse is not true. The Supreme Court there's really no way to say, oh, it's fine. Because it's electioneering, because he wouldn't be immune from that, right? So, uh, I, I agree. I think it's 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 it is a moment of sanity, and it is reason to feel good about things. Well, this court is actually on Thursday taking up the Fourteenth uh, Amendment case, the uh, re- the ballot removal case. So it'll be really interesting to hear those oral arguments. I think it is almost certain that this court is going to reject the ballot removal, just knowing everything we know about this court. But it'll just be interesting to see if there's any daylight. Like, because what, what's interesting now is not whether the court rejects Trump's immunity claim and upholds the DC Circuit. I think even this court is almost certain to reject Trump's immunity claim, although some of them wouldn't surprise me. Alito and Thomas wouldn't surprise me. And Gorsuch is, is kookier than people give him credit for. Um, he looks like the president of your local bank, but talks like the president of your local QAnon chapter, you know? Perfectly uh, said. You know? Yeah. So it's like, um, but but so here's what's, what's interesting about this now, right? I saw George Conway just now on TV saying that he thinks this case could be heard by May. I hope he's right. The problem is it's totally in the Supreme Court's hands, and this is a cynical political body. Now, they could say, all right, it's untenable for us to grant this immunity, but uh, we could sit on it. We could take our yeah. time. We could write a long opinion. We could do a true 
airing out with briefings and arguments and all that. And then we, you know, the earliest we'd probably get a decision under that scenario is June. So that would push everything so far back, you know, so that they still could muck this up. It would push everything. Here's the thing. If they're trying to just help him politically, that may backfire because yes, it would push everything far back to the point where you, you get a much uh, smaller likelihood of a conviction, but you have him being prosecuted and in court and on trial through through the heart of the campaign season in that case. Yeah, I think so, the the assumption seems to be, and I, I don't fully know why, but I, I guess the art like the assumption seems to be if 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 this decision doesn't come down until late spring, early summer, then the the trial doesn't happen until after the election. That's the assumption I'm seeing. Now, I've never heard anybody explain exactly why. My, my sense is that the, that's because the courts would weigh the equity of somebody running for president and say, all right, like we reasonably can't really have him. Well, let me just like, say that that's stupid. Yeah, like, I agree. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I agree. I, I do want to see this case, obviously, uh, decided well, before that. Just like the equity of, yeah, okay. The American but, people. What about the American people who yeah, deserve because, an answer to this? Well, like, let's let's use just a legal standard. If we are at the point where you are prosecuting somebody and you've gone to trial, it means that it has been determined by a grand jury, by a judge, that there is probable cause to believe that a felony was committed. Well, if there's probable cause to believe that a felony is committed and therefore it's reasonable to put somebody into court under the the standard that they are innocent until proven guilty, but they're still in court being tried for that, then it is reasonable to move forward with the trial and not to wait. Yeah. Um, So so. we'll see what happens. I mean, he's going to submit his brief by the 12th and I imagine they'll probably submit it uh, like we did, you know, our college term papers probably yeah. at eleven fifty nine p.m. on the eleventh, and just you know, buy as much time as possible, uh, and we'll see. You know, it takes four judges to grant cert, so you know there are six conservative justices on this court. So even if you get Roberts, then you need one of the others. Uh, yeah, or they two of the others. Do it, but I bet yeah. they don't because. <laughs> It's a, you know, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, on okay. to the next. A lot to, the to next talk about here. Thing. Yes. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. The, on Sunday, the Senate negotiators released text of an eight, $118 billion bill aimed at improving security on the U.S.-Mexico border while providing funding for Ukraine, Israel, uh, the Indo-Pacific region, the Red Sea. Uh, the attacks against Houthi rebels, humanitarian aid to Gaza and the West Bank. So this is a big, big bill. Uh, This was negotiated by Senators James Lankford, who's Republican from Oklahoma, Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, and Kirsten Sinema, independent from Arizona. Uh, (laughs) And it attempts to close loopholes in the asylum process, provides new uh, funding for judges, asylum officers, and border patrol agents. It limits the use of parole for migrants at the border and gives the president new authority to shut down the border when attempted crossings are too high. Basically, 4,000 and 5,000 being the numbers, essentially, which would mean he could shut the border down today, or would basically have to shut the border down today if they pass this bill. You know, on the face of it, you'd be like, oh, you know, of course the Democrats are opposing this. That's not what's going on. The Democrats seem to be playing ball. They seem to be pretty much supportive of this. Biden has been supportive of it. Uh, But, you know, as we started to lay the groundwork 
last week, Trump has been against it. This thing died almost immediately. Uh, McConnell declared it dead. Um, Speaker of the House declared it dead. And then Biden uh, took to the microphone to air his disgust uh, for at former President Trump. Uh, let's go to that clip if we've got it. Now, all indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it helps the, the, the country. He's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. So for the last 24 hours, he's done nothing, I'm told, but reach out to Republicans in the House and the Senate and threaten them and try to intimidate them to vote against this proposal. And it looks like they're caving. Frankly, they owe it to the American people to show some spine and do what they know to be right. So I want to tell the American people what's in this bill and why everyone from the Wall Street Journal to the Border Patrol to the Chamber of Commerce, the United States Chamber of Commerce, support this bill. Yeah, look, let me let's unpack that a little what he's trying to say at the end. He's like everybody, including Republicans, the Wall Street Journal, the Border Patrol and the Chamber of Commerce. So you got like Wall Street, uh, you know, the folks who I mean, look, how do you I don't know how you categorize the Border Patrol other than say the Border Patrol. Yeah, the people who are conservative views on the border. Yeah. You know, and then Chamber of Commerce, which is, you know, big business throughout the rest of the country. So he's been, you know, he's like, everybody wants this. The, the, we gave the Republicans the stuff they want. And and Trump is like Trump just recently watched the episode of West Wing where uh, Ron Silver tells Bradley Whitford that he screwed up by solving the tobacco issue and not preserving it for the campaign. And he's like, oh, that's a good point. I want the border issue for the campaign. And and that's where we are. It's it's very cynical. Well, let's go to what has been uh, nicely labeled the supercut number two in our outline here. I'm curious to see what's in this thing myself. So let's go to this. Some of them may have policy differences. Some of them have been very clear with me. They have political differences with the bill. They say it's the wrong time to solve the problem or let the presidential election solve this problem. This is Jim Lankford, Republican from Oklahoma. In fact, I had a popular commentator four weeks ago that I talked to that told me flat out before they knew any of the contents of the bill, any of the content, none, nothing was out at that point, that told me flat out, if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during this presidential year, I will do whatever I can to destroy you because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. By the way, they have been faithful to their promise and have done everything they can to destroy me in the past several weeks. No, we're not going to just pass the buck and say that, oh, any president could walk this in and Republican Representative Chip Roy. I saw former President Trump make that allegation earlier today on one of his social media posts. All the president has to do is declare the borders closed and it's closed. Well, with all due respect, that didn't happen in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. There were millions of people who came into the United States during those four years. Um, I, I understand some Republicans are saying, we don't need any changes to law. Then why did we write, write HR2? 
Why did we why did we do that? Why didn't Trump just shut down the border? If you just think we don't need any changes to lie, he couldn't. What makes this farce a tragedy is that Secretary Mayorkas and the U.S. Senate have been working for months to achieve precisely the immigration and border compromise the GOP has been demanding. And miraculously, they got to a bipartisan immigration agreement for billions of dollars more in border patrol officers, immigration judges, fentanyl detection machines, a far tougher border. It was good enough for Senator Mitch McConnell and dozens of GOP senators, and it was good enough for the Wall Street Journal, but the House megas would not take yes for an answer. Why? Because Donald Trump doesn't want a border solution. He wants a border problem, nothing else to run on. And Vladimir Putin certainly doesn't want $60 billion going to the heroic people of Ukraine defying his filthy imperialist invasion. All over the world, democracy and freedom are under siege today, and all our colleagues can think to do is to sell out our democratic allies and sell out the cause of human rights and then impeach a cabinet secretary working diligently to solve the immigration problem that they claim to care about. I yield back. Well, so all, all those people, Jimmy just for the audience. Yeah, well, just, just so for the audience. Jimmy Raskin one day would be a great presidential candidate. Yeah, and he looks like he's been recovered. I mean, knock he's on wood, doing he great, looks great. Like. Uh, the, I, I was at some hotel where he was at. I think it was during the Texas Tribune Fest uh, last year, not this past one, but the year before. And he looked like he was like full-blown in the middle of chemotherapy. Right. Now, just for the audience, just so you know, all, everybody who spoke during that supercut was a Republican except the last clip, which is Jamie Raskin. Yeah. So this is how they're talking about their own side. And they're saying like what we all know here, which is this is a cynical ploy. And what we're going to find out is the limits of nihilism, right? Like, like they're banking on the fact that they can obstruct this in full sight of the American public and then run on the issue. And what we need to do is say, you know what? Like in classic Republican fashion, they always do this to us. Take their strength which has been the border, like, and I mean just in public perception, not in what their substance is, but their supposed strength on immigration and make it a weakness. We have to do it at this point. And we have to yeah. use this as an example of how obstructionist, how nihilistic they are, how uninterested they are in governing. That's what we have to do. We, we, I think the only way to do it is to treat it like a scandal. And, it's to, and, and because it is one. And, and, and the reason I say that is, well, what that means to me is it has to be pitched to the to cable as a scandal it has to be talked about as a scandal there should be a gate at the end of it like it should be you know immigration gate border gate whatever you want to call it and the reason that i think that's so necessary is because it is february and the election is in november and there is no doubt in my mind that donald trump's calculus on this is i can get away with this because it's february and by the time November comes along, Joe Biden can talk all he wants about how there was an opportunity to have an immigration bill, but Trump blocked it. But it'll be so muddied. And he's not wrong about this. This is how things tend to work now. It'll be so muddied by then. People won't remember the details. It won't be recent enough. It's why, you know, the only sorts of the October surprises aren't even enough anymore. It's got to be a late October or early November surprise, right? It's got to be Comey letter level, right? To make a difference, which I say that a lot of people may not even remember that now, <laughs> you right. know, and which proves my point, which means the only way you're going to make it an indelible memory in eight months or, you know, eight and a half months or whatever is 
if you put a gate on it, if you if you if you make it the scandal that it is, it's it's not enough just to say something that's going to sound like a procedural, legislative, frankly boring argument come October. Yeah, and and what I would do if I were Biden is start you know go to the border, like go on the to the border on offense. We started to yeah. do this recruiting governors from around the country who actually like my governor, my mayor have been really critical of the Biden administration. You've seen the tone shift now because everybody now knows who's responsible. Biden did what he could. Like he, Biden, you know, this was a risky thing to do politically and, and it's, he's going to have to bear those risks internal to the party. You know, there are people like AOC coming out against this bill. He's already dealing with issues uh, when it comes to Gaza, uh, when it comes to the left flank and young mm -hmm. voters uh, being skeptical of him. Like the idea that he would embrace it, basically a GOP border bill was risky for him. And he decided to do it because he knew it was right. And probably he knew it was the politically smart thing to do. Now the thing is like, okay, all the governors, you're starting to see them, uh, Polis, Hoshul, uh, Whitmer have all been talking now and saying, all right, like this is ridiculous. We're going to Washington. They're going on TV. You have the Border Patrol Union now going on TV on Fox News talking about this bill. Uh, let's go to this clip because this is quite jarring. I understand politics and I can understand why Republicans would go against this for political purposes. I get that. There, there is that aspect to it. This bill transcends um, administrations. This will go beyond Biden. It will go beyond Trump. It will go beyond the next president. So I'm looking at this from the standpoint of we need something that is going to continue to go past and not just executive orders. There are plenty of weaknesses in here, but there's there's also a lot of strengths. And and when you look right now, what we're currently dealing with, um, w this is a slow month, and we're dealing with 6,700 apprehensions on a daily basis. What this would do is it would cap it to where we couldn't take anything more than 5,000. Now, this does not say that we're going to release 5,000 in, in, people into the United States. In fact, it's it's the exact opposite. It says that we will hold single adults in custody. Um, they will not be subject to release. So, so what? Oh yeah. Sorry, on, what I was going to say real quick is so that's that's the border patrol union, right? Talking. Uh, that's that's their representative, and I don't think we have this clip. But what's so interesting to me about this is one, it's pretty smart politically. One thing we haven't mentioned that, and and I think also the right thing to do, which helps that the bill also included uh, an overdue pay increase for the border patrol, which means the border patrol union got something they wanted. It doesn't mean that that's the reason that they're in favor of the bill. There's tons of stuff in here that the Border Patrol wanted. Like, I mean, obviously, he just rolled through them. Yeah, why wouldn't well, you if you were the Border Patrol? It's capping the amount. I mean, they, exactly. I think people this should say. Well, and actually, hold on. Well, yeah, sorry. What, what I think is funny is that you've actually seen people like Speaker Johnson go on Fox and turn on the Border Patrol yes. and imply that the reason that they're in favor of the bill is because there's a price increase because there's a pay increase in it for them. And then you get like Laura Ingram laughing about it. And it's, it's like, Oh, look at those people who work for a living getting a, they just care about more money. Those greedy border patrol officers who are not exactly living high on the hog. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing it's to me. Typical. And, and I, I do want to mention, cause I, I, I am interviewing a border patrol, uh, a former Border Patrol person who who always wants me to say Border Patrol and ICE are not the same thing. So for people who are listening who have some opinions about ICE, Border Patrol is a different unit. And they're essentially military. Like the, And a lot of them are former military on the border. And 
and they have multiple responsibilities, including keeping people safe who try to cross mm-hmm. the border. It's like it's like the Coast Guard, but with no water. Yeah, exactly. And so what wouldn't they like? They get new facilities, they get more border patrol agents, they get better pay, they get more resources to process people. There's a limit on the amount of people they have to process because right now it's untenable. And now, you know, basically for Democrats going to the border, it's always this like, oh my God, I've got to check that box. I've got to go and I've got to like take the arrows and have Greg Abbott yell at me and ask me for more things and then tell me that he's going to, you know, defy federal law and I've got to navigate that without getting embarrassed. Um, And now you, I think Democrats, all like Democrats, governors, mayors, and Biden and his cabinet should be going to the border now and standing alongside the border patrol agents and saying, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Republicans, why are you sowing chaos at the border and lay it at their feet? And here's how to do it. And this is also how to discuss it with people in your life. This is, this is one of the rare times where what the president should say and what you should say to people are the same. And, and, and I'm going to start with a, with a premise here that is what the, what the mistake would be. And the mistake would be to spend the next several months talking about this as we had a bill, we had a bipartisan bill. Because first of all, nobody knows what the hell that means. Second, right. it, it leaves you open to the move that we know they're going to pull, which is the same thing they've done on January 6th, the same thing they do on everything else, which is they're going to revise the history. And by the time we get to November, if this is all about whether or not they passed a bill, you'll have people going on Fox News and saying as if it's true, well, you know, the Democrats were the reason that didn't pass. They won't have any evidence for that because there is none. They'll just say it over and over again. And then it will it will create a permission slip for people who don't want to believe that the Democrats wanted to do something that they like on the border to just dismiss it and say that was over. So you got to boil it down to a single thing. And it takes me back to what you were saying last week, you and I were discussing, maybe Biden should just, you know, be as bold as to say, we'll build the wall when he knows they're going to say no, right? And you and I kind of disagreed on that. But this is the way to do it is now, because it, it, this will fit into a structure that people are, uh, people are already familiar with. Biden can say, look, this guy claims he wants to build a wall and do all these things. He never did it. He wouldn't even let me close the border. I'm just trying to close the border and he won't allow me to do it because it, he doesn't think it's good for him politically. Like Biden can set this up as instead of having to do something that nobody would buy and that doesn't make sense, like embrace the wall, he can introduce the idea of close the border or not close the border. And he can say over and over again, Trump opposed us closing the border. He's not serious about this. Yeah, so well, let's take an ad break. When we come back, we're going to talk about McConnell in trouble. Some really interesting Senate politics around this bill. I think some long coming uh, dues for some of the members this that they've the impeachment. To- this is impeachment stuff. Yeah, and then right. then we're gonna yeah then we'll talk about impeachment, uh, and uh, and then we'll also talk about some uh, amazing uh, economic news all when we come back. Real talk. of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70, but it's always been a taboo topic. But thankfully, HIMSS is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. And HIMSS is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments all from the comfort of your couch 
It helps provide access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. And if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and discreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. And Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers. So if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash majority. That's H-I-M-S.com slash majority for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash majority. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply and see website for details and important safety information. Subscriptions are required. Price varies based on the product and the subscription plan. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Fast, I mean, think who doesn't need free plant consultation? Like I've killed so many plants. Fast growing trees is actually the best. Here's why: they have an amazing selection to choose from, and their customer service is top notch. Even better, even better. I save so much money by not using an overpriced landscaper. I recently got their most popular small avocado tree, and I'm like so excited to eat an avocado that I grew. I'm anybody who listens often knows that like I'm very into avocados. So the idea that I get to it's very cool. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. For a limited time, not only can you buy one, get one free on their website, but listeners to our show get an additional 15% off when using the code MAJORITY at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code MAJORITY at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code MAJORITY. Offer is valid for a limited time. Tell them we sent you. Dude, the fast-growing trees had you speechless there. I actually just got a uh, a lemon tree in the mail from them. I have like a whole forest over here now. Shout out yeah, to those I, guys. I, love I, that I just, just recorded that ad like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I really love them. I brought my lemon tree across the street to the planter and he was he was digging it. All right. Uh, one quick uh, housekeeping item on this whole GOP mess is in a normal week, this would be big news, but there's an open rebellion against McConnell right now in the Senate uh, basically, there's, it's basically the new guard against the old, sort of. Uh, I, I don't know how to to classify certain people like Ron Johnson, who just seems ready for a revolution at all points. But essentially, yeah. like this, there it feels like this is the end of the road for McConnell at the end of this year. I, I if I were a betting man, I would say he steps down as uh, the leader of the Republican caucus in the Senate at the end of the year. And may even leave the Senate. That that's my guess, both because of potentially the potential of, of health stuff. Yeah, the health stuff. Trump, like if Trump is re, is elected, 
and his own members are just openly criticizing him and saying he needs to to step down, uh, including you know certain fairly powerful members like Ted Cruz, you know, that have been around for a while, are just saying openly that he should step down. And this is the Senate; they're just not a lot of members. It's not like the House where there's like hundreds of members in your Congress. Yeah. They 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 clearly smell blood in the water, you know. They and they're and you've had the people like uh, Scott from Florida and people who have been antagonistic to him for a long time. But now they're like, Ooh, I mean, you know, you could have been very popular, but if you're in a leadership position, somebody else wants it and they get a sense that you're wounded. Like it's a rough world out there, man. There's not a lot of room for friendship, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's move to this impeachment failure. Uh, Let's go to a vote of just the chaos or a video of the chaos on the Hill last night. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 216. The resolution is not adopted. I'm glad you asked that because, um, well, we can basically look like, look at this as a game, unfortunately, and their strategy. And they hid one of their members uh, waiting to the last minute, uh, watching to see our votes, um, trying to throw us off on the numbers that we had versus the numbers they had. So, yeah, that was a strategy at play tonight. So do you essentially... Majority. Thanks, Leader. This is Jeffries. Uh, Democrats let GOP leadership know that they had full attendance, and if not, why? And can you characterize your relationship with Speaker Johnson? It's not our responsibility to let House Republicans know which members will or will not be present on the House floor on any other day or in connection with any given vote. Trust me, Blake Moore wants Mayorkas impeached. Uh, but I got to tell you, Bowling, as I'm watching that board and it's 215 to 215, I have never missed George Santos more. Uh, Speaker Emerita, I'm trying to remember if you ever went to the floor not knowing where the votes were. No, I, I always say to... My colleagues, uh, now the Republicans in the leadership, uh, don't bring a bill to the floor unless you know you have the votes. And in order to know you have the votes, you have to have some in your pocket. Uh, the, uh, they keep talking about Al Green. We were surprised. I was surprised to see how Rogers there, my former chairman in my respect, chair, former chair of the Appropriations Committee, he came, well, you have to see the apparatus he had on after being in an automobile accident, but they brought him in for that. But uh, for them to say that they did, you have to have your votes. Don't worry about the other side. You have to have your votes. You know what is a majority. If you don't have that, don't bring it to the floor. Well, when- Ravi, the, <laughs> the Republican victim mentality runs so deep that they're like, the fact that you had all of the Democrats who are elected to the House available to vote is a dirty trick. <laughs> well, look, I, I just want to, I can't let it pass that Pelosi's pointing out a little practice going on for my weekend at Bernie's strategy for this election cycle. It's like whoever that gentleman was, they had to wheel him out to vote here. Look, this is what we're going to have to do here. You know, yeah. we've got yeah. an aging generation of po- politicians. But I just love that they think that they're like, how dare you ambush us by having people show up to their job? Well, I mean, thought, we Jeffrey's- thought we had ambushed you. There's, there's decorum here. When you have been ambushed, you take your ambush. No, it's like, do not ambush it's back. 
it reminds me, I, I've been reading about the Mongolian uh, sort of campaign, the empire. And what's amazing is this is basically how they would engage when they would come upon a Persian city. And they would basically like demand that you like surrender. And then sometimes they'll send like an emissary or whatever to basically be like you surrender. And then like every now and then the the Persians will like, you know, imprison the emissary or sometimes kill them or whatever. And then the Mongolians will be like, how dare you? We're the only ones who kill people indiscriminately. Uh, that's essentially the energy we're getting. That's, here, you that's know? right on. The, yeah. It actually, you know, it is part and parcel to a larger thing that's been happening since I'd say, uh, you know, the big orange man came down the elevator in, in 2015, which is the, the, the rules work like this. The Democrats abide by the norms, by the traditional norms. The Republicans don't. And so when the Democrats don't, which I don't even know that this is a norm, having people yeah, show what up to the norm, What norm? And what yeah. norm do you have? To, does Hakeem Jeffries have to tell the Republican speaker how many people are going to vote on the Democratic side for a bullshit impeachment of the yeah. Homeland Security Director? Like what, what norm tells you you need to share that information? I mean- I, it like in Major League Baseball, you don't have to announce your starter till an hour before. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, and that has no stakes. No, it doesn't matter. It's a game. You know, it's like, uh, and but to Pelosi's point, which she's been saying for years, that you don't bring a bill to the floor unless you have the votes, and if, and in fact, a few more votes than people even think you have. That's pretty basic. I mean, like, I remember when I was in the state house and I was in the minority party, the majority. The only time I remember them bringing a bill to the floor that ultimately was truly defeated, that like a priority bill, a bill that they actually wanted to pass. Like sometimes they would, you know, do a favor to a member and okay, we'll try your bill. We'll see if it works. And if they were having an, a squabble within the Republican Party, maybe it would pass, maybe it wouldn't. But the only time I ever saw them actually like bring something up, a regular bill and just it, it not pass is when it was just one of their members they didn't like. And right. they, they were just like, here, screw you. Other than that, it was like occasional amendments we could beat them on, that kind of thing. But even like, you know, in the in the at the triple A level, not the majors, you just don't do that. Like if you have a major bill, you you don't expose your members on it. You you, you know, you you bring it up if it's gonna pass. Yeah, I mean they they pulled some kind of procedural nonsense at the end, which will allow them to bring this thing back if they do get the votes. So who knows? Like this could. Well, that's that makes sense because I noticed that it went from it was two fifteen to two fifteen, and the final vote was two fourteen to two sixteen. So I can, without even knowing, I can tell you what that is. What the procedural nonsense must be is that they probably had one of their members who voted yes vote no, because then what that allows that member to do is is a member who voted no on a bill can make a motion to reconsider, because like if you're saying I've changed my mind. So it's a motion to reconsider, then you can bring it back up. So it's probably somebody who is in favor of the bill uh, who was like, yeah, I'll vote no so that I can make that motion later. Yeah, it would, been, it would have been ridiculous if they passed it anyway. On the same week where they're killing the immigration bill, yes. it's like- it's Well, I, well but that's exactly why they were dying to, I'm sure. Yeah. Because they, they, they want to muddle that message and that did not work. Well, okay, we're going to take another break and when we come back, some more additional- Great economic news. We're going to talk about what it means for Biden versus Trump. This episode is sponsored by Roan. 
If you're like me, you understand the pains of finding what to wear. Most clothes are uncomfortable. They may be too tight. They never, you know, actually fit your size because you know a lot of us are not exactly small, medium, large, extra large. We're complicated. Sometimes when you find something you like, you can only wear it for a few hours before that important meeting or dinner, and then you have to change into something else. And everyone wants to dress their best. You want to look good at all times. And frankly, it's a confidence booster. So here's the deal: men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and. Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man, and here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion with the commuter collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan commuter collection. And here's some anecdote. I'm wearing my Roan pants right now. And last week I was at a wedding. I wore my Roan uh, button-down shirt to the wedding at a formal wedding and I will also wear it tomorrow when I just you know go into a coffee shop to have a meeting it's that versatile so it's time to feel confident without the hassle with Roan's wrinkle release technology wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products it's that easy yeah I actually you know not so neatly folded that shirt in my bag for the wedding and I was able to take it out and Automatically, I was able to put it on. It looked like I had ironed it, but I didn't. You know, it's an inside secret between us. So with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll also be smelling fresh and clean all day. On top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can dish the dry cleaner all together. We're on the move a lot, and the Roan commuter collection has never let me down. The versatility and overall comfort of the collection is undefeated. I absolutely love it. And even after I wear it all day, I feel super fresh because that Gold Fusion fusion anti-odor technology at that wedding i was dancing up a storm wore it no problems so the commuter collection can get you through any work day and straight into whatever comes next so head to roan.com majority and use the promo code majority to save 20 percent off your entire order that's 20 percent off your entire order when you head to r-h-o-n-e.com majority and use the code majority it's time to find your corner office comfort Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Hayao was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Hayao is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. Hayao fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Hayao is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. It's also fun to say, Haya. As you know, I'm a father and I'm always on the lookout for the best possible vitamins for my child to take. I'm so happy I've come across Haya Health. The ingredients are amazing and I don't have to worry about sugar or gummy junk because Haya Health is made without that stuff and it's still able to keep that great taste. 
We've worked out a special deal with High Off for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HiYahHealth.com slash majority. This deal is not available on the regular website. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash majority and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Well, Jason, more great economic news. The economy grew at 3.1% from the end of 2022 to the end of 2023, defying expectations, including robust growth at the end of the year. The inflation rate is falling towards historically normal levels, and the stock market is at historic highs, all while employment um, is high. Uh, the uh, unemployment rate is at 3.7%. Uh, payrolls continue to increase. Also beating expectations, prime age employment rate, which is a, a favorite indicator of a lot of the economists, ticked up as well to pre-pandemic, to the pre-pandemic high of 80.6%. And uh, there are all these consumer confidence numbers that are all surging as well. Uh, this is all great news. I mean, it's all happened still while Biden's polling his approval rating is at historic lows. So the question is, will will the perceptions of Biden catch up to these economic numbers? I don't know. But I also wonder to what extent people actually, I think that there may be a separation, uh, like cognitive separation at this point, right? Where basically, it doesn't seem like anybody's voting for anybody they like <laughs> anymore, right. right? Like it just feels like people vote against what they don't like, for the most part. Um, or they'll vote for what they want done. But it, I just feel like we've reached a point, at least in this moment, where the attack machine is so honed that it chews up everybody. So I, I actually think that there's a world, it's weird, but I think there's a world in which Joe Biden could get reelected with historically low approval numbers. I know that that sounds crazy, but it's like there could be people who are like, I don't like him. I don't like what he's doing. The economy's fine. I don't like the other guy. Okay. And that's not the most inspiring thing, but it might be what happens. I mean, it's better than the alternative, I guess. Yeah. And we've talked about this data before. The US is an outlier. First of all, our GDP growth in almost every economic indicator is better than uh, almost every counterpart out there. Whether you look at Europe or you look at Japan, you look at Canada, we're doing better than them. And we're also projected to be doing better than them which is amazing. Yet our consumer confidence and perceptions of the economy continue to lag all those countries. And we have a unique picture in the United States where in those countries, people's perceptions of the economy tend to follow the actual objective economic indicators, whereas in the US, they're detached. And the obvious theory here is that we have a uniquely polarized uh, political and media environment where, you know, the media for 50% of the country is dedicated to telling people something different than what they see with their eyes. I do think there's a limit to that though. Even, you know, I've seen all these super clips of Fox News and Fox Business and all these places where even their hosts had a hard time when some of these numbers came out spinning it. Uh, and I think this is where these networks get into, a, you know, the danger zone, which when it comes to this economic data or the immigration data, it's like, to straight up lie to your audience is is really hard. People do it, but it's hard to do. It's a lot easier to shift focus, to be like, okay, mm -hmm. let me point you. Like the, That's why the border has always been so helpful 
for the Republicans. Mm-hmm. They can be like, oh, well, all this stuff's going on. Yeah, you could say all this positive, but the border is chaos. No, uh, Hunter Biden or Hunter Biden, whatever. right? Or pronouns or whatever it is they're going to talk about. Yeah, it's hard to lie to people about this. And if you look at the data, people are not only like they don't have just general consumer confidence, they're optimistic about the future. They have jobs. They're even when you adjust for inflation, their wages went up last year. Right. So this, Mm -hmm. these are things it's hard to lie to people about. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past anybody, but it's really hard to tell people that they're not doing better when they are. So here's, here's what I think is the, potential Achilles heel, even with, uh, on, the, on the economy, even with great economic numbers, which is the more people I talk to, uh, even you know, people who may be doing well and that kind of thing, when they talk about, you know, it's a loaded term now, but economic anxiety, oftentimes what they're expressing is an anxiety about what the future is going to hold, which I can understand, right? Because what people see in the news over and over is a changing technological landscape that they don't understand. And we've had that in the past, but I think we now clearly have it at, at a level. I don't think we've ever had it like this, right? Where there's people who are like, I got a good job. This is good. But there's this specter out there of, will I be replaced by AI? And one of the failures right now of both parties and really of American society uh, writ large is there's a, obviously a great shortage of people who understand what is going to happen and what to do to plan for it. And I'm not suggesting that I do. I think you you have some ideas because you've studied this more, but I do think that the party that gets to that spot first, that captures that flag first, even if their suggestions are unrealistic, it turns out, or wrong, the party that gets there first and says, we have a plan and this is the plan, I think that there will be great rewards for that party politically. Yeah, it's it's funny because the Republicans' instinct, which is to blame it on brown people, just doesn't work when it comes to AI. No, so it's no just it like well, they they just don't have a, a they don't have a trick up their sleeve on this. And they, I mean, you could see them doing what they did last week when Josh Hawley was castigating Mark Zuckerberg yeah. or whatever, like the big tech and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, but that's, that was so such that's, a that's force. Well, but that's interesting, right? That is. That is halfway to it. That is, we're going to tell you who to blame for this anxiety, right? Yeah. And, the, and the Republicans are experts at that. They know how to identify uh, a scapegoat. And they will, and they will be, and, and in the absence of, of a plan, in the absence of a vision, people will accept what they can get. And if all they can get is being told who to be angry at, well, then perhaps that can be substituted for a vision of what to do. And right. so- my my argument here is if Democrats can do the hard work and come up with an actual vision for how to handle this future, and, and just even if it's just a rough idea, then you can leapfrog in the public's mind the people who are only blaming people for the future. Yeah. I, I think that we don't have time to truly talk about last week's mm-hmm. hearing, but your home state senator, Josh Hawley. Like those senators are just embarrassing themselves. Like they, you know, Lindsey Graham telling Mark Zuckerberg he has blood on his hands and Holly going back and forth with Zuckerberg. I'm like, 
you act as if you're like these disinterested actors. You're the senators who would be passing law. We've been doing this for 10 years now. You right. you don't do anything. All you do is like, I'm, I've actually become sympathetic to Zuckerberg. I'm looking at him like, let this guy do his job. You're wasting everybody's time. <laughs> like, you're not going to pass It takes anything. a lot. It takes a lot to get to that point. Yeah. And there's an yeah. irony that they're all trying to get viral by castigating the CEOs of these companies. And, you know, they want to they go viral on their very platforms, yeah. um, right? which is ironic to say uh, the least. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, but that's, but, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate that it could be very effective because in the absence of a plan, people will, will say, well, maybe the people who are telling me who's to blame will, will know what to yeah. do. So, yeah. all right, uh, real quick, grab an oar. Um, this is the last week that I'll mention this, I promise. Um, and before I do, I'll say that, uh, for two years, uh, I've been not saying very much publicly about the biggest and craziest and most important thing I've ever been a part of, which is this thing called Operation Bella, um, named after my daughter, where, uh, yeah, this is a screenshot of <laughs> the story in the Kansas City Star today um, about this really, really crazy private rescue operation that uh, some friends and I pulled off in September of 2021 uh, that all started with uh, me trying to get out my translator's family and led to eventually over 2,100 people who had helped the United States and, and their families getting out of Afghanistan um, and outwitting the Taliban and that kind of thing. Uh, and there's a huge article. People want to go look it up and we can probably put the link in the show notes. Uh, there's a big article today. The first time um, we've talked about it in detail. But uh, tomorrow night, if you're watching this tonight, if you're listening to it on Thursday morning, uh, Myself and Raheem Raoufi, uh, who is the person I started this all to help get out and who did heroic things to get his family out of Afghanistan in September of 21, will be uh, in conversation moderated by my wife, Diana, um, at Union Station here in Kansas City to, to tell this story um, publicly for the first time uh, at, uh, at Union Station in, in support <laughs> of the resettlement agency here in Kansas City that, that helped me pull this off and that helped uh, resettle the Raufi family here in Kansas City. Uh, that's Jewish Vocational Services. Um, and we'll also, once again, put the uh, invite and the link uh, in the show notes. There's still some tickets left. It's filling up, but we'd love to have people there to support JVS. Well, amazing, man. Congrats on that. I'm going to read that article after this. And uh, One thing we didn't mention is actually in that same immigration bill, by the way, would have been... Um, the Afghan Adjustment Act. Yeah, would have basically... Mm -hmm given visas to. Yeah, it would, it would have regularized um, a lot of people who are here on what's called the humanitarian parole, which is if, if, for folks who followed the, uh, you know, the largest humanitarian airlift in human history, which happened prior to this rescue that I'm talking about. It was all the people who got out through the airport and, and you know, before August 31st, um, the, a lot of those people are here and they're in a limbo status. And, uh, and not to like get all, policy is on it, but I'll explain real quick that it's very similar to the way Vietnamese refugees came here. And, and unfortunately, they were not regularized in American society until 1992. So wow. 20 full years after that war ended. And, and, I, and I would think that most people would view that as, as a mistake um, by the United States. And there's an effort, obviously, to regularize these folks prior to that. Um, now, I'm fortunate in that a good amount of the people that we brought over were brought over in full refugee status, but the vast, because it was after the airlift, but the vast majority of Afghan evacuees who are here need that desperately to pass. So it's another reason why it's 
too bad that that did not pass. Uh, what's going on with you? And uh, that pretty well covers one for me. Uh, what's going on with you? Just gearing up for another trip to India, heading on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'll be gone for a while. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to basically get my life in order so I can do that. Um, it's this one is potentially kind of dangerous. Yeah, this one I would say is is definitely more high stakes just because some of the reporting we've done has mm-hmm. developed more, and so we've had to we've had to kind of expose ourselves more than than we would. But what could go wrong? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as they say in my uh, in my first job, um, you know, keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right, man, this was fun, uh, folks. You can find us uh, on social media at Ravi M Gupta and at Jason Kander. Please leave a five star review. Thank you to the Midas Mighty. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today.